weapons are small enough to cover your hands because everyone around you wants to live is it enough to have some love small enough to fit inside the cracks the pieces don't fit together so through all the breaking and all the blame Chapter 4. PTSD. An estimated 8% of Americans, 24.4 million people, have PTSD at any given time. That is equal to the total population of Texas. PTSD United. Peter hated buildings. Unfortunately for him, there were a lot of buildings, and as a human being who lived in New York City, he had to go inside them pretty routinely. Every time the teenager was locked between four walls, and the sky disappeared behind a discolored ceiling, he felt like he had an itch that he couldn't even locate, let alone scratch. A tiny suggestion, persistent and promising, that the supports would collapse and the roof would crack and within seconds he would be back there. He hadn't particularly been trying to hide it from Tony, but he hadn't been going out of his way to tell the man about it either. His mentor was already spending a ton of time helping Peter work through his social anxiety. He didn't really want to burden the man with something as trivial as a little discomfort around buildings. He could handle it. At least, he thought he could. Today, Tony had taken Peter to the mall. It was an exercise. The teenager didn't have to talk to a single person if he didn't want to. In fact, all they were going to do was walk to the bakery in the food court, buy a dozen cookies, and leave. The plan went off without a hitch. Tony wore sunglasses and a baseball cap, and not a single person recognized him. Peter even jumped in to order the cookies, stilling his shaking hands with a deep breath and basking in the look of pride Tony shot him over the rim of his sunglasses as he interacted with the cashier. His mentor kept a steadying hand on his arm, on the way back to the parking garage, and Peter was shamelessly relieved for it. The touch grounded him. When he felt eyes slide over him and his heart rate spike in response, he could focus on the firm pressure of Tony's fingers pressed against his bicep. They aren't looking at you. They don't care. You're fine. You're fine. You're fine. It wasn't until they stepped out of the elevator and into the parking garage that it all went to shit. Nobody was around. Tony had purposefully parked at one of the top levels, which meant that there wasn't another car in sight. It had snowed the night before, and the temperature had yet to rise above freezing. The chill in the air bit at Peter's face, and the teenager tugged his coat a little tighter around his chest. He could feel the itch morph into a whine as his eyes landed on the closest support column. A cold sweat had broken out on the back of Peter's neck, and he was just barely keeping a lid on his rising nervousness, when one of the icicles fell. It landed right beside them, and even Tony flinched back. Before Peter could rationalize the sudden impact, panic was clawing up his throat and blurring his vision. He heard a terrible, gasping wheeze, and realized, a little belatedly, that it had come from him. He couldn't breathe, 
The dust was in his throat and his eyes and his mouth, and it was going to happen again. The roof was going to cave in, and this time he was surely going to die. What were the odds of him surviving the falling rubble twice? Peter. Tony's voice sounded strangely harsh and compact in the chaos of Peter's thoughts. Shit, are you having a panic attack? Peter locked eyes with the man and gasped, trying to shove all of his terror and Tony, please help me, please help me, please, 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 into the gaze. The adrenaline rush had filled his entire body with icy pressure. It swelled through his head and his chest and his stomach. His hands trembled with the force and he swayed on his feet. All right, okay, so panic attack, that's fine. The older man had both hands clasped over Peter's elbows, anchoring him in place. You gotta communicate with me, buddy. What set it off? There, there aren't any people here. I, I don't understand. Building, building fault, the, the building, it, it's going to fall, Tony. Fault, building, building fault, Tony, the building is going to fall, it's going to fall. He tried to tell him, but the only sound that came out was a strangled version of the man's name. Tony? I know, I know. What can I do? Peter, what do you need? Out. Get out. We need, we need to get out. 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 Out? Out of what? Tony's forehead creased in confusion, and then smooth, this realization flickered in his eyes. You need to get out? Out of the garage? Peter's next gasp was accompanied by a vigorous nod. Suddenly, Tony was hauling him towards the car, and unceremoniously flinging him into the passenger's seat. His mentor buckled him in before rushing to the driver's side and getting the car out of the parking space. All right, Peter. The Audi whipped around the first turn. We're going. Just hang in there. Everything blurred together. Black spots swarmed across his vision. Peter curled in on himself, each desperate wheeze of his lungs only adding to the terror racing through his veins. He couldn't breathe. Had the building collapsed? Was he dying? He felt like he was dying. He had to be dying. Kid. Kid? We're out. Peter, we're out. He opened his eyes. Tony had parked the car out front of a dingy gas station. When he looked to his right, Peter could see the parking garage, just a block or so away. And it was still standing. And he was not in it. He was safe. Tony got him out. So, so why couldn't he stop panicking? God. Tony was twisted in his seat, hip pressed against the backrest, and leg curled up against the gear shift. If it was anybody else, the position would be undignified. But since it was Tony, it looked strangely self-assured. Easy. Talk to me, Peter. Tell me five things that you know. What? Five things you know. They can be really simple. Random, even. Go. Peter groped at his thoughts and fell through the fog of terror. Nothing concrete seemed within reach. Just fear. M my name is Peter. Good. Four more. Things that Peter knows. What are things that Peter knows? D DNA stands for D deoxoribonucleic acid. Tony smiled at that. Nerd. Three left. A, a synonym of afraid is scared. Two. You owned Stark Industries, but Miss Pot is the CEO because she's awesome. 
A fond expression swept across his mentor's face. That's right. One more. I don't like buildings. For a moment, Peter thought that Tony was going to press. Then he nodded, quick and concise, and ignored the comments. Now, give me four things you can see. You? Peter's gaze darted around. Uh, the dashboard? And, uh, my backpack. A gas pump. Three things you can feel. Peter's fingers brushed against the seat. Leather? M my jeans? Without thinking, he flailed a hand out and grabbed Tony's fingers. Your hand. Two things you can hear. The engine? He could hear the pistons working underneath the bonnet. And traffic. One thing you can smell. Hot dogs? At Tony's look of surprise, he gestured at the gas station store. They're making them inside. Tony moved his hands so that he was gripping Peter's wrist, callous fingers checking the teenager's rapidly quieting pulse. You feeling better? All of a sudden, Peter's entire body was overcome with crushing exhaustion. He slouched against the seat, unclenching muscles he didn't even realize he had tensed. Yeah. Okay. The billionaire eased the car into gear and pulled back onto the road. Okay. Peter didn't even try to hide his surprise. You're not going to ask me about it? Oh, we're talking about it. Tony flicked the sports car into the left lane and accelerated past a few slower cars. The engine snarled and spat underneath them. I'm just waiting until we're back at the tower to bring it up. You just chill out until then, okay? The teenager groaned. I'd really like to take a nap. Well, with this traffic, you've got about 20 minutes. By all means, feel free to conk out. That's not what I meant. I'm aware. Trust me, kid. I know what I'm doing. We're going to have a health-giving anxiety club session, and then you're going to take a nice long siesta. But if you want to get a head start on the last part before we get to the tower, be my guest. Peter sighed. He didn't really want to talk about it, but he also knew that Tony really did know what he was doing. Maybe telling him about the vulture and the night of homecoming wouldn't be so bad? Wasn't Tony always telling him that he needed to reach out when he was struggling? Maybe he should try it. Hell, it had worked before. He dropped his head against the window and smothered a smile when Tony moved his free hand to rest against Peter's knee, using the thumb to draw light patterns against the teenager's jeans. The comforting rhythm lulled him into a light doze. They found themselves in the tower's garage, far too quickly for Peter's liking, and the teenager stumbled behind his mentor as the man led the way down to the lab. The corner was still filled with blankets and pillows from their last anxiety club meeting, and Tony pushed Peter towards the layout before disappearing into the elevator again. As soon as he was alone, the teenager began to jitter nervously. He was chewing on his thumb, back pressed against the wall, when his mentor reappeared. Tony tossed something onto the teenager's lap. Here. Peter looked down and saw a coloring book and a pack of Crayola-colored pencils sitting on his thighs. Uh, what? His mentor plopped down in front of him and brandished a workbook of his own. He pulled out a blue pencil, flipped to a random page, and began filling in the petal of a flower. Go on, Peter. I even gave you the Star Wars one. 
get to it. Slowly, Peter opened the book and picked out a shade of brown for Han Solo's jacket. What are we doing? Coloring. And why are we doing it? Because you need to do something with your hands while we talk about this. Tony didn't look up from his flower. Now, what triggered that attack? There wasn't anyone around besides me. Did I do it? No. Then what? Peter paused. He set the brown pencil aside and chose a yellow for C-3PO. I don't like buildings. So you said. Why? It's probably because the vulture dropped one on me. Tony started so suddenly that he jerked a stray line of purple across the crisp page. I'm sorry, what? The vulture. He dropped a building on me the night of homecoming. I thought I was going to die. He felt strangely detached, talking about it, like it happened to another person. Still, he noticed a slight tremor run through his hand that made the paper shake. And so, you're, uh, afraid of that happening again, I suppose? Peter finished C-3PO and moved on to R2-D2. I guess. Okay, so we've got people and buildings. That's not too bad. Peter laughed, harsh and cool. I'm such a fucking loser. People and buildings. I'm afraid of people and buildings. I'm afraid of snow. Peter looked away from his coloring to stare at his mentor. What? Tony nodded pointedly at Peter's paper until the teenager went back to work. Only then did he elaborate. Snow. The cold. I almost froze to death during the Mandarin scare. You were probably old enough to remember that, right? And then Siberia. So, uh... Yeah, I'm afraid of the snow, and space, aliens, taking showers, being alone. Do you think I'm a loser, Peter? No. There you have it. Peter finished his page and showed it to Tony, who grunted in appreciation, and let the teenager see his own project before gesturing for Peter to start on a second sheet. They worked in silence for a long, long time. The only break in the monotony was when one of the pairs showed the other a finished page. Otherwise, they didn't look up from their books. It was strangely comforting. Peter could feel the anxiety leaking out of him. He was on his fifth page, an image of Luke Skywalker dueling Darth Vader, when he rested his cheek in his palm and let his eyes slip shut. The pencil rolled out of the teenager's slack hands and clattered to the ground. A few moments later, Tony set his book down and slid over. All right, buddy. Looks like it's siesta time, huh? Peter just hummed in response. Tony pushed Peter gently until the teenager slumped over sideways amidst the array of plush pillows. Peter felt the man toss a fluffy throw blanket over his body before returning to his coloring. He drifted off to the steady sound of a pencil scratching paper and his mentor humming a Metallica song.